welcome to episode 46 of the Insecurity Show, tracking you. This episode, we talk about Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and all of the people who are watching everything that you do on the internet. Visit our website at in-security.org for show notes, leave comments, past episodes, and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Insecurity Show and send your email to feedback at in-security.org. My name's Matt. And my name is Max. Hey, buddy. How's it going this week? Hey, good. How are you? Busy. Yeah, busy for the past little while. I had to cancel last time because work got crazy and things that I wasn't investing enough of time into suddenly demanded a whole bunch of time. Right. Fair enough. And we had tried to do a podcast recording beforehand and had to bail on that because got late and um, we realized we weren't as prepared as we had originally wanted to be. Right, but we had such great banter leading into the episode, so it's a shame. Amazing banter. The best banter. Yeah. I mean, in that in that, we recapped uh, what we'd been up to for the last uh, two months since our last yes. show. So right. we won't do that. Uh, that'll never see the light of day. Oh, well. What's, uh, what's news with you? Uh, I got promoted. I'm now Mr. Manager. Congratulations, Mr. Manager. Thanks, buddy. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, that that's a big new change. It's very significant, yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. So, as you may or may not um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. As you may or may not imagine, uh my work schedule is getting a little bit weirder and uh busy and or hectic. Mhm. But, you know, I I still make time for the little people. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. Well, that's cool. That's that's good big news. Yeah, it is. It's very I'm getting to a place where I can afford a little bit of time to record a podcast. Oh, that's great news. Yes, hey, we is. should do that. Ah, fantastic idea, Matt. Right? Episode 46. <laughs> where where can we show where can we find the show notes for that? That would be at in-security.org/ep046. And uh, do you have any do you have any follow up or housekeeping? I do, in fact, have some follow up. Last time we had talked about uh, Spectre and a bunch of vulnerabilities of interest. There's been more development on the front of uh, that type of class of vulnerability. Okay. So what I thought would take months for people to discover other vulnerabilities in that same line actually just took weeks. Wow. Yeah, and and researchers have have put together other types of concepts for for that. What uh what kind of vulnerabilities were found or identified? So there was uh academic research into a new CPU side channel attack named branch scope. And that's what they're calling this new approach to CPU timing attacks. Okay. Side channel attacks because it's not the direct input output use it's monitoring the behavior of the system and kind of seeing that happens outside of the initial call cycle so the same thing that branch prediction where it would try to guess at different possible outcomes and then choose to put fake information in there and be able to have a couple of guesses down through the speculative execution to actually come up with something that they could then later use to attack. This is the same thing. It's it's like not just calling stuff. It, it's playing around with the way that the CPU's complexity actually works. Oh, okay. That being said, it is academic. So it is not fully fleshed out in the wild, which is good. 
and uh, the the people have relayed back to Intel in this case that uh, they're vulnerable to this and gave them all the details. Sandy Bridge, Haswell, Skylake processors are affected. You said you were a little surprised that it took so little time for new things to turn up. Do you think maybe with all the stasis on all the uh, existing things that a, a new attack or a new toy for pen testers to play with would be driving a lot of innovation? Yeah, so there's already a lot invested in finding vulnerabilities through the classic means, right? There's a lot of tooling that's kind of required to get up to speed to do the type of research mm-hmm. for that. Uh, because because CPU side channel attacks are a, a new category of vulnerabilities, it means that probably people aren't tooled up to be doing the investigations into this. Do you think maybe because it's the fun, new, sexy attack that that's why people are excited to look into it i think that there's there's actually money in finding bugs okay right so being able to disclose that there is is money in exploiting people and using it for criminal activities and there's also money in finding it from research grants and uh and and also through bug bounties for disclosing these types of of weaknesses so there's always been interest there is definitely a monetary compensation that's available for this and uh, yeah like curiosity has always been around right so right when people discovered oh you can smash the stack and do buffer overflows when that was a new category like 35 years ago or however long that was then it got a lot of people looking into it but people hadn't didn't have the tool set at the time to look at stack traces and map out uh, how to exploit stuff and build up the skill set in it that that there is now. Right. There's a whole kind of artistry now to it. So that that's why I'm surprised that it was faster, which means two things to me. It either means that there's just tons of errors in this space or that there's a lot of reusable techniques from other types of exploitation that are, that can be applied to CPU side channel attacks. Fair enough. So you said that there's been more development on that front. Uh, interestingly enough, is a little bit more follow-up on that. There's been less development on that front. This is from an article from ZDNet. Intel spent the past few months releasing and re-releasing microcode updates to fix the Spectre variant. Mm-hmm. Uh, while it's rolled out updates for all processors launched in the fa- past five years, it's now just saying some of the older CPUs, the less used ones, aren't going to be patched at all. So they've, they're they they're just giving up on the uh, two old processors. Uh, they don't feel comfortable generating new patches for tremendously old hardware. And you got to understand that eventually manufacturers, as they keep on this race of developing newer and newer stuff, have to, at some point, stop supporting the older stuff. So that makes sense. But there's a pause, another possibility, which is maybe the bad patching that's been going on is actually prompting them to make a risk-based decision and say, this is something we should not pursue. There was an article around Meltdown being that the, the cure is actually worse than the sickness, if you would. Okay. And, and just some problems that have been um, introduced actually, you know, killing systems but microsoft put out a patch for meltdown 
And that patch for Meltdown actually introduced a new, bigger vulnerability. Whereas you'd have to do a lot of analysis and timing attacks for the the Meltdown attack before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This one exposed just the CPU memory management unit and allowed you basically direct access to physical memory remotely. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty bad. So in the race to address the the hype and hoopla around Vector, they've ended up just making bigger holes. Yeah, I don't know if I got into it last time, but the way that the CPU to the operating system um, translates code that's in memory and, and what gets put there, there's virtual address that gets mapped out to physical memory addresses. Well, that just became transparent. Uh-oh. Yeah. Huh. So that was way worse. Yeah. They've since fixed it. Well, that's great news. Yeah, it was indeed. Oh, and Chromebooks? Yes. Are patched. Some of the really old Chromebooks are actually patched through Google putting out patches for stuff that affected them like six months later. We'll see now that's delightful. It is. In a tech space like that where your product is deemed almost disposable. I'm looking at you, cell phone companies. <laughs> that's sort of support for old and legacy products. And in this case, I'm talking like anywhere from two years or however many years it is. Uh, no, it's great that they're they're providing support and that they're making sure that their bases are covered. And it's good, like a a wholesome company like Google has never had any sort of criticism around it at all. Don't be evil used to be their motto. Now I think it's don't get caught. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, other people have been caught. Uh, Who who might have been caught? And does this tie directly into what we're going to talk about this week? Yes, I believe that speaking about your segues is all the more tactful. Oh, yes. That's how I make sure that it's a segue. I make sure everyone realizes how clever that that was. There's a man standing on on, on a machine with two wheels. That is a segue. Yes. I see what you did uh, there. Thank you. So anyway, segue's been in the news lately. <laughs> yeah, so there was the whole Cambridge Analytica problem that Facebook got r- raked over the coals for. Zuckerberg had to do bunch of interviews with senators and other powerful people around the world. So he's been getting some air miles taken up. Uh, speaking to that problem, Facebook, like Google, has a bunch of interesting stuff where they're tracking users around the Internet. And the way that Facebook has been selling this information on to other people is that you as the purchaser of the information about the people that use facebook can can see a a bunch of details and back in the day they would allow you to see information of who that person is in contact with so friend of my friend is also data that gets sold to somebody purchasing the information right whole thing about cambridge analytica was they were doing a quote air quote research project air unquote where they had people install applications And they'd even pay people to install the applications within Facebook. And it would collect data about the user and data about the people that they're in contact with. Um, So it ended up being like some huge number of people that are interconnected. 
you remember the number by any chance? I don't remember the number offhand. It was scary big. It is scary big. million or something like that. And so then there would market to these people and understand their political leanings. The way that Facebook collected information, it became usable um, to really create, slice and dice the, the type of people into distinct profiles. We don't need to get into the details about Cambridge Analytica because it's been in the news for so long. There are other components around Facebook that are interesting in Facebook tracking people around the internet that aren't users. Hey, real quick before we go too, too far, uh, yeah. just to show how you know cool and up-to-date we are. So in the news today, Cambridge Analytica is shutting down. Yeah, which is of zero surprise because it is not the company. Correct. So they've shut down, however, also of zero surprise. Power players behind Cambridge Analytica have set up a mysterious new data company called Emmer Data. Um, mm. I don't know why it's mysterious. It's literally the exact same company uh, doing the exact <laughs> same things, just with a slightly different name. But not only that, is that a bunch of other companies have been caught doing it too. Basically violating the terms of service that Facebook puts out and saying... You can collect this information, but you can only use it yourself. You can't resell it to anybody else or give it to somebody else. Right. Now, the hole that Cambridge Analytica used in the first place about seeing information on the contact of that initial contact, so the person using the app, seeing their information plus all of their contacts information, was resolved a couple of years ago. They said, okay, well, this is, this is way too much information to be handing out way too powerful of information so they constrained it but once that cat was out of the bag people are trading that information back and forth breaking the terms of service which is why facebook initially uh warned them and told them to delete the data they're like yeah bro totally deleted that data you want me to delete no problem and then uh they kept using it to manipulate elections in the united states apparently allegedly i appreciate you using these weasel words so that we don't get uh shut down <laughs> could you imagine what this would be like if we weren't able to make podcasts oh for sure i know our dozen listeners would be very disappointed where would they turn every six months <laughs> yeah interestingly when all of this was coming to light facebook also got called out for trying to collect information from healthcare providers and trying to set up a service for that whereas healthcare information about like people who use healthcare is protected in Canada and in the United States under like HIPAA legislation, PHIPAA for Canada, HIPAA for the United States. And now uh, there's a new legislation coming out based out of Europe called GDPR, which is about the right to be forgotten for German citizens. And it's, uh, it's, coming to light may 25th so that's going to be a big big thing that's Lots pretty of people interesting. around they've had years to to do stuff around this and build it into systems and it's got severe penalties with it but hipaa also had uh severe penalties okay for for violations yes people are taking people's personal information seriously or at least regulators are enforcing it to be done and companies are being dragged kicking and streaming to do it I mean, kicking and screaming as much as they can. Yeah, no, this, they, they're having to do it, but you're right. Only where they're getting called to task. They're having to do it because the fines are, are bad, but it's 
making people reinvestigate their profit models. I mean, it's it's only where they're getting called to task that it's really important. Like Facebook, for instance, was not only collecting data about its users and selling that. It was collecting data about non-users. Mm-hmm. Facebook, for a few years, I don't know if they're still doing it, but I assume they are, were tracking non-users' usage over the internet through sophisticated cookies, ad networks, and those kind of things. And they were able to aggregate so much information that it became too much information and they were called to task by i think it was france and now again by belgium they're being called to task so the whole thing is that if the country's not putting the screws to them then presumably they're just going to continue there until they get called out yeah i mean it's difficult when when you're talking about a huge enterprise like facebook right running their data centers across the world, costing them thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars of operating expense in a day, and then presenting that as free to the quote unquote users of it, which are really the people that they sell information on to other people, there there needs to be economies of scale. Right. So if it costs more to collect data on people that aren't actually users to be able to sell that information on because the laws in different countries are are expensive and it becomes too complex to manage all these different settings, then it makes sense for them to do a, a single thing across the board. So a lot of people who are needing to do GDPR, they have a lot of different people using their software from a lot of different countries. GDPR only applies to German citizens. Right. Right, So if somebody's a German citizen, then they can say, purge me from your system. So you have to build that facility anyways. So you might as well give that option to everybody who consumes your your service. Right. There's a weird inverse ratio for for that one. I'm sure that somebody's figuring out when does it stop making sense to track people? Uh, Facebook did. You're wondering if it's current. I know it's current because Facebook just offered up something around you being able to delete the data that they've got on you if they had collected it through this offline tracking mode when you are when you sign back in and it recognizes, oh, all this data pertained to you. Okay. wait. So if you were offline, but so that's only if you have a Facebook account or had at some point. Right. But they were tracking people who at no point had ever had a Facebook account as well. Well, they're tracking everybody. Yeah. So I don't know how those people would have the ability to potentially get tagged and or delete their, their data. Yeah. It's, it's a profile that doesn't kind of point to any specific individual. So it just fits into a kind of marketing category type thing like Google analytics. Right. I mean, on a, on a similar vein, I don't know how much good faith they deserve when they say that they'll delete a profile on you, there's been a lot of, I think, reports about, I think it was video. If you uploaded a video to Facebook and then deleted it, they would say it was deleted, but it was still available. Right, um, that makes sense. They recently identified that it was a bug. Right, yeah, giant, gigantic air quotes. That's that's great for radio, Max. So... Yep. They- <laughs> They would identify, they identified it as a bug, which I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've told the story before about me deleting a Facebook account many years ago. And then when they went public, that account was suddenly active again and not deleted as I thought it was. And all the information and contacts were still there. Right. But that was when they went public, which is also again, many years ago. So I, I see them doing actually 
good thing. So Facebook's now trying to get into the online dating world. And so because of that, they want people to be able to delete their data off of their system. Mm. So now they're offering a sort of anonymous mode for at least the dating site thing. Yeah. So you really want to trust Facebook now with your sexy texts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you're not paying for the product, you're the product. Yeah. One caveat or exception to that is I would say listeners to this podcast, just so you know, we... We are not clever enough to figure out how to monetize year. And we have no intention of doing that, at least right now. So that's why we don't have ads. And that's why all of this is just a passion project we do for fun. And that's why we have no liability for our inability to deliver on time. <laughs> well, that's right. There's there's no... You can see by our flakiness how... <laughs> How little incentive, how, how little money we're making out of this. Exactly. Yeah. That, that uh, just builds our transparency. It's not just a clever ruse. We don't just not post things so that you'll think that it's free. That's right. It's like one of those warrant canaries. Right? <laughs> if we as stop being as, so flaky. As soon as we start <laughs> releasing on any sort of consistent schedule and with good... Uh, Good quality episodes. Even with the best intention that we have right. of doing this, life you know, gets in the way. Yeah, Microsoft, they've been in trouble for tracking users too, since we're on this whole tracking users kick. Oh, Microsoft, what have they done? They've made their operating system a giant tracking you mechanism. Oh, right. We're talking about Windows 10. I keep forgetting Windows about 10. that one. <laughs> How could you forget about it? Um, looks like you're not trying to have your computer suck. I can help with that. They did do that beautiful reskinning of Clippy uh, and renamed it Cortana. <laughs> but so Cortana, I believe, is the heart and soul of Microsoft's current, or at least the, the face of Microsoft's current tracking. Yes, but Microsoft tracks all sorts of things through the telemetry data that it, the operating system pulls up. France's... They've got like a really hardcore privacy around technology group called National Commission for Information Technology and Civil Liberties. Is the English translation of that? Or Commission Nationale de Informatique et de Liberté in French. I'm trying to figure it in my mind real quick if that spells anything, but I'm not that good. Senil, C-N-I-L. Oh, all right. Senility. Yeah, I thought that was a fun play on words. It is. It's clever. Yeah, so they uh, claim that Windows 10 tracks way too much stuff. And they're the same agency that's caused Google all sorts of problems in the past with the right to be forgotten stuff, which is now being brought into laws. So Microsoft had to tone down what it was doing as far as tracking people. Do we have examples of some of the crazy things it tracked? Windows 10 track all programs users install in their system and the amount of time they spend using each one. That's crazy creepy. Yeah. Then there's just allowing users to be stupid and shoot themselves in the foot with really poor pins, targeting users with Microsoft and third-party advertising based on their web browser history without prior user consent, which is basically the internet does that. Right. Tracking and targeting users with browser cookies without informing them or implementing an opt-out. Now we get to see opt-outs and, and tracking them information on any website you go see pretty much, right? Yes. Anyone that uses that to monetize you, which you won't find on in-security.org. Because we're, again, not clever Op enough. Tracking you. At least not that I know of. 
we had Google Analytics on there for a little while, uh, and I think I took it off. Yes, I believe you did. You said you were going to. I mean, I've tried. Who knows? <laughs> uh, we are still using WordPress, and I have no idea whether there's anything baked into that. As far as I know, no, because we're not using the WordPress online website, like the WordPress.com. Right. So as far as I, I know... If- I don't not. know if we should mention that. Whatever. I feel like it's... Come at me, bro. I feel like it's... Oh, good. So anyway, in the show notes this week, you'll be able to find Max's social security number. <laughs> Absolutely. Because why the hell not? Everybody's got it anyways. It's true. Speaking of Microsoft, as a very poor segue... <laughs> <laughs> you know, browsers and storing passwords in browsers as the, like... Yes, save my password. Not yes. not like on the website itself where it's like, you know, remember me through a cookie that just kind of will log you back in automatically. But the actual one where you're telling the browser to remember your credentials and post them. Correct. Well, major flaw in browsers allow third-party scripts to steal your saved passwords. Oh, no. Because JavaScript, why the hell not? Oh, JavaScript. JavaScript is code. You run in your browser that you browse everything with and that you've told it to save your passwords to. And it is client side. So it's on your end. Running on your machine as you. Yeah. That's just the way JavaScript works. And yeah, they, so there's a flaw that was found. Interesting article in here by the hacker news. Basically all browsers are affected and JavaScript is the thing that you run blindly in that website's, like any news site that you go to probably has about 100 to 200 JavaScript script tags in the HTML window because that's how they serve you ads. Right. And then they get really pissy if you don't actually run JavaScript or block ads in other ways. And I've seen so many websites that are, you're not rendering ads. We're sad. Yeah, I do. I almost kind of like those. I mean, it's like the the websites that pop up and put you behind a paywall to show any of the content. My general response is just, well, I guess I guess I'm not reading that. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And then anyone who asks me to turn off ad blockers, like again, this is a discussion that we've had several times, mm-hmm. and it is not mm-hmm. because of the dislike of monetization of websites. I get paying for content. I understand that. I know that you need to make money somehow. But yep. if you're not responsible and you're outsourcing it and you can't trust your outsourcers or you're not citing who they are or anything like that so i can know if i can trust them absolutely like this is the whole thing of why is there so many references going across because it's pulling in ads from all these third parties they've done the due diligence on those why are they sometimes serving malware Right. Like it's not that I I want to stop monetization of somebody. It's that I'm sick of people just getting compromised by this garbage way of monetizing it. Right. Right. Well, we've always served ads. Well, you can serve static ads without having it dynamically link and executing script on my computer. I don't need it to start playing a video that I don't want to listen to or watch. Exactly. Like, why do you need a video player embedded in an ad so that you can show me a commercial? What happened to banner ads? They were lovely. What's more is if you go to in-security.org slash EP046 for this one, 
I won't put in show notes that have autoplay ads. I won't put in links to to other sites like that. Oh, there goes half our links for this episode. No, like li- literally I'll find another source for the information. I mean, there's also, uh, wasn't there a site like readability or something like that? I think it's gone under now, but they would provide a just they would get rid of all the ads. They would get rid of all the cruft. They would get rid of all the navigation things and just provide it to you as an article. I loved that. Yeah, site. yeah. There's a, a few other ones that are out there now that'll just kind of strip it out and just give you content, which is what you're there for in the first place. Right. So I, I understand needing to run some JavaScript at some times, but not most of the time. Back in my day, the Internet was about sharing information. Now it's about finding hot singles in your area. (laughs) Indeed. While we're talking about Microsoft and how they're spying on literally everything we do, they're bad at it. At least I have to assume they're bad at it because they're desperate at it, I think, is, is the better term because they're behind the game. Right. Right. Well, when we were setting up this call, I I got served some ads in Skype because we had to update Skype for this call. Right. And they have me pegged. They have me down to rights. I am somewhere between 16 and 200. Yeah. That's what they've that's what they've narrowed it down to. So now nice. they're I get that they're collecting everything that I do and trying to, you know, monetize it, but they also just can't monetize it well. So while waiting here, I saw ads for all the latest phone games, so I'm pretty sure I'm young. Yeah. Uh, I also saw an ad for where in Vancouver to buy cheap cars. So presumably I'm I'm 16-ish. It does know that I'm in Vancouver, so they got that right. But I don't think yeah. that that's from spying on me, just spying on my location. And then there was an ad for low-cost funeral preparations. <laughs> Damn. So I'm guessing it's either that they think that I'm that old and young or they figure that I'm going to crash my 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 cheap car. <laughs> yeah, those are interesting ads to serve back to back. Yeah. Nobody ever thinks about that. Yeah. Yeah. So so how do these sites track you? We never talked. I don't think we've ever talked technically how it actually happens. We might not have. We did talk a little bit about cookies and their interconnected connectedness. Mm-hmm. There was a an episode about ads that we did. But let's go into the the back end a little bit if if you can okay well i mean it does hit on cookies so you've got oh the way that browsers work is there is a limit to the sphere of influence that any website can have on your machine and it's and it limits that to the site that you're seeing to a file on your machine the cookie now that website say i'm going to cnn.com for example and it's got a link to Amazon for the purpose of serving ads, right? Amazon then gets a referral link saying that it's forwarded me to Amazon through CNN.com. So that's part of the referrer link. Amazon themselves has a cookie. So now visiting that one website, I've got two different cookies on my machine that are being activated at, at the moment. The CNN.com one about my user account and the Amazon.com one. Then I go to another website. I want the the straight talking news. So I go to Breitbart.com, right? And they also use Amazon. So now I've got the the lefty leaning stuff and the righty leaning stuff to get my facts straight and figure out what the real truth is. Right. Come up with my own opinion on these things because I don't just believe everything I read on Facebook. Right. And meanwhile, Amazon.com's seen that I've seen these two different sites. So it starts to build a profile around what it knows about me through these 
third-party cookies because it's not the website that I'm visiting itself. It's a referral link within that to go and serve me up ads. And when I go to Amazon.com itself and I start looking for stuff and I'm really hovering over those ruby red high heels that I think I might want to buy, right? If I choose either to buy it or not to buy it, but I've really come back and forth on the website and seen it a bunch of times. Suddenly that ad starts being served up to me wherever I go because of the, the link to the advertisers and it being Amazon. And that's what's stuck in the cookie is that these are kind of um, my profile stuck in the cookie. And these are the things that I've been looking at for the past little while. Right. So that's what is called a third party cookie. Okay. Right? And that's a, a method of tracking people's activities across different websites through the referral links. Now, there are ways of flushing your cookies in your browsers. There's even browser settings where you can say, when I shut down the browser to remove all of the cookies whatsoever. So there are alternatives to cookie files that are not as easy to flush. And those are by using application plugins and then having those having their own tracking mechanism. So back in the day, Adobe Flash had uh, was used by pretty much everyone. Right. And it had a place for, for tracking use as well. And I use that as an example, even though it's old, because it's really well documented. And so people would come up with little utilities to flush out all of these third party, not third party cookies, but application level cookies that don't have that same trust boundary that browsers do where it says because you're on this site you only get served up this cookie to this to this web server right you know it becomes a lot more uh, pervasive and even html5 itself it's got like databases that can store information and the trust boundary there depends on kind of how that database is manipulated from the browser and the website itself that that's telling you what to store there so it can more actively define the roles of what it wants I'm not 100% sure how clear that first part was. I just want to touch back on that a little bit, and I probably should have been thinking a bit quicker. So when you are doing this third-party cookie, okay, I visit site A. Site A refers me to, again, for your example, Amazon. Um, yeah. Amazon then sets a cookie that I have visited site A and what I've potentially done on site A and will... No, so that that's not entirely correct. Okay. Site A has its own cookie. Okay. Related to you using site A. Right. Your browser has trust boundaries that it creates saying that website cnn.com is only allowed to see cnn.com's cookie file. Right. Amazon.com is only allowed to see amazon.com's cookie file. But Amazon itself as the service has information because it tracks information about people to sell them products, right? Yeah. It says this referral link when it loads up Amazon.com. Assuming I'm already logged into Amazon and my cookie is keeping my session active. Right. Amazon's back end actually tracks the referral links of where I came to them from. Right. So that's what I'm assuming is that Amazon, while they have limited information directly on my system or directly from my system, limited to the cookies that they're getting, they are still amalgamating or whatever the word is, collecting a ton of extra information Profiling. through this referral link. So the referral link yeah. is saying you are coming from this article from this website. Right. Right. And so like the while the cookie part is the transparent part that's on our end. It's all this stuff in the back end that may also be going on that is becoming more and more nefarious, and that's where it starts getting tricky. Amazon yep. is collecting 
that you were referred from, or presumably collecting, that you were referred from this site, from this article, then right. they can infer from that that it ties to the Amazon session that you have open. But mm-hmm. that Amazon session is tied to presumably your Amazon account. Then the next time you go to a different site, it's also presumably going to collect that you are now accessing another Amazon cookie with another different Amazon referral from a different Amazon related uh, or Amazon site. So yeah, it's going to say I'm accessing the same cookie file because it's all Amazon.com. Yes, right. So, but, but coming that, from a different referral. Yeah, and so then they're presumably going to be collecting that and using that for marketing purposes as well. So right. it, also behind the scenes in all of that, there's all the data on my machine. My machine name is accessible to it. The the browser that I'm using, the version of the browser that I'm using, they can even collect like telemetry information on how long it takes me to type stuff in, right? So there's a bunch of other information that, that's accessible to it. Maybe not my machine name. I think I misspoke there. I'm just thinking back on old websites that would reflect stuff to you through JavaScript because JavaScript can see everything running on your machine. But yes, no, there's there's uh, a way of fingerprinting users and creating these user profiles, user behavior profiles, right? which some companies are actually using instead of cookies because cookies can be wiped. Because in Chrome, I can go into incognito mode if I want to go and see a website that I don't want it to track in my cookies. Right. And I don't want it to be able to pull other cookie information out of out of my system. Right. So because there are countermeasures, the mouse trap makers are thinking of bigger, better mouse traps. I just want to make sure that it's that it was real clear that the cookies are only really the tip of the iceberg of what's potentially being collected. And then even if you were to flush your cookies on your machine itself, if yep. those cookies at any point were tied to, for instance, your Amazon account, you would yep. then have to make sure that every time you flush your cookies, you delete your Amazon account and create a new Amazon account. Which, <laughs> well, that's that's the ultra paranoid rep. Yeah, but, but I mean, technically, all of that stuff is still probably there and tied to your account because right. if even if you deleted your there, cookies, it's not it's, even if you deleted your cookies after every use. Yeah, right. There's still ways of fingerprinting your browser and and the machine that you're coming from. And if you sign into Amazon before doing anything else, then technically you've recreated that cookie and then all of their additional data that's collected through all of your other travels across the web will mm-hmm. still be amalgamated into your uh I keep using amalgamated today. I don't know why. Would Ooh. be added onto your your profile, presumably. Could be. Absolutely. There's there's server side stuff, there's client side stuff. Server-side stuff can can do stuff your client won't allow it to do um, to bridge that gap, and it uses the client-side stuff, a.k.a. your browser, to do other stuff Right. to really round that out. You made me think of something else, though, that I don't know if I've ranted <laughs> about before, where Facebook back in the day was paying websites to put basically like a blank pixel on their web page that would track information it was called beacon and they got into trouble like when they first started about this which is the first reason why i quit facebook forever ago okay and uh and, and so they'd have like a, a transparent pixel on a website somewhere you wouldn't really be able to see it and it would be able to basically build profiles on on non-users and right. it sounds like they're doing somewhat the same thing again just without having to actually pay people to do it 
Yeah. So before people actually needed to put like the thumbs up button on stuff. Yeah. It was a pilot program, quote unquote, which is why they paid people for it to figure out how this technology works and can track people across websites when somebody's not signed into Facebook. And then as soon as they do sign into Facebook, Facebook themselves has the same pixel. And then boom, correlates all the data that you've seen from other websites before and fills that into the server side of Facebook about knowing everything about you. So I'm guessing that they realized that people want to drive traffic to their site regardless. So paying people to put links to social media on the site and ways to potentially link your content to social media is just something that they almost would be willing to do for free anyway. Right. That's why the like button is on stuff because it drives, it's a two way street. It drives traffic back from somebody sharing it, you know, on, on Facebook. Now the traffic gets driven back to that website before it was an unproven model. Right. Speaking of pixels, (laughs) there's a, there's an interesting thing that you can do if you want to kind of track activities you can do the same thing you can embed like a pixel in a document or a a call to an invisible pixel in a document where then you can track if somebody's opened up your document so some people put this into like their pdfs right and it becomes did somebody open my pdf or not like if i'm applying for a job i want to know if somebody has seen my document so then they're actually doing due diligence and reading it right And because PDFs run JavaScript for God knows what reason, you can make it make a web call out (laughs) to (laughs) to pull up the pixel, which you can disable. And my paranoid self does. Right. Uh, Yeah. So in your PDF software, if you if you have a PDF reader that's not just natively built into Chrome or whatever. So, yeah, it uh, you can have those settings on documents. There's even whole vendors that that do this manipulation they'll sell you it for a bunch of money or you can figure out a way to hack it for free to put tracking on document readers and where it was read from and pull up all that information geolocation and whatnot that sounds tremendously nefarious <laughs> it is like i can There's get the thing. innocent usage like oh i want to make sure that they read my they read my cv and i want to know like roughly when they read it so that i can send a follow-up like a couple of days later that sounds like a delightful use case if i want to figure out where they are when they're reading it because i want to try and apply to the nsa or whatever mm-hmm. send a send a pdf resume to the nsa and have them pull, i'm guessing that they have it disabled but anyway like that kind of stuff. If I want to figure out where these things are, dear gosh. Mm-hmm. And you just think of how many PDFs are out there that are already doing this right now. Yeah. Where is my readership? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot more creepy stuff here. Uh, but more along the lines of the creepy stuff and tracking people, you know, there's cameras everywhere. There is cameras everywhere. Tracking people physically walking around. There's facial recognition built into a, a bunch of stuff now not device not built into devices but people are using cameras placed in multiple locations to do facial recognition um, which i personally don't have a problem with because i think that it's good to be able to recognize somebody or a gun that they're holding or something and alert police on that again you're only looking at one use right if you keep looking at the good side and the the nice things that can be done with it then that's that's one point but i think was it china now that has almost a hundred percent facial recognition coverage or something to that effect yeah their their identity card as far as i understand is built around doing biometrics on people and they're 
Chinese New Year that happened earlier or some other holiday. Sorry if I got that wrong. Actually, police officers at train stations had facial recognition headpieces on and they were able to bust, I believe, seven felons on the lam mm. through through this technique. Don't know how many people they pulled into the police station. China's a different place. And maybe that's just kind of the cost of doing business there. <laughs> but uh, the seven successful convictions of of felons on the lamp. There, there's an aspect to that. There are defenses. When I grew up in the 90s reading comic books, there was a uh, comic book called Punisher 2099. Oh, yeah. And in it, he had technology that would uh, scramble. He his face so he'd walk around without like the punisher hood on but all the video cameras would display pictures of the punisher's face because he had something in his in his collar that would do that well people have developed that technology now because if you shoot an infrared beam directly at a camera then it will just pick up this big white blotch where your face should be right so so they people have built uh devices that blind security cameras to themselves that's for interesting. privacy reasons yeah no imagine understandable where else are we going on this uh yeah facial recognition is becoming more used out there there's also uh gate detection where you can see people walk a certain way so their gait right. when they walk is is pretty much a unique signature so you can track people across multiple cameras you ever looked at a security camera it's garbage you can't barely see anything yeah they tell you to identify suspects based on a really crappy convenience store camera of one that gets held up is like there's nothing there to, to go on i can't tell who that person is i mean they're recording on vhs tapes and stuff and the quality is terrible i don't understand how tv cops are able to enhance anything yeah exactly zoom enhance zoom enhance rinse repeat until it's crystal clear picture yeah one of the solutions is gate detection where you actually track a person's movement so if they go as they go from one zone to another with this software it can just say oh this is the same person based on their gate so you can track somebody's pathway through a system through a city like london where there's video cameras everywhere so i don't know if you know this but monty python is now on netflix i saw that like the entire uh, Monty the entire one? Flying, flying circus. Wow! So you can get the Ministry of Silly Walks. Yes. So now nice. that's just that's exactly where I was going with this. Is just between cameras, can you change up your walk by sure, why not? by using the the Ministry of Silly Walks as a guidebook? Is that Absolutely. why the ministry was created? <laughs> um, this Perhaps. makes me maybe take us to somewhere that we were talking about talking about. All of these so-called forensic methods and tactics and all of that, how how much accuracy do you think they have? Like, gate, if I go from, from camera to camera, walk to walk, how accountable can I be? I, you know, I, I don't know, um, and I would couldn't even speculate. This is just not a world that I've really dived into. I mean, into. I think that stuff you should know. Was it them that we had a couple of links to? Oh, yeah. They had some interesting stuff around uh, people using evidence that they've gotten, like forensic evidence. And how ineffective most of it was. Yeah, it's really kind of split. Like forensic evidence itself is really good. The way that people apply it in court, horrible. Right. And the just outright lies that people say when they're convicting people on DNA. Not even necessarily as as involved as DNA, but they're 
were some crazy forensic things like handwriting analysis. Oh God. Yeah. Um, like I, I get that they can work and I can see how they could potentially work, but like, yeah, these kind of things, pseudoscience at best. Yeah. And, and then the way that it's sold in courtrooms by the expert, expert witnesses on the stand is like, Oh, this is like unique to one in a million people kind of thing. That, right. That term gets thrown around. Yeah. And it's not, it's just not. <laughs> yeah. Not to, not to piss off any of our, uh, our handwritingologist listeners, but I'm, I would really like to know more about how it's considered an actual science and the efficacy of it across the board. It's super interesting. I mean, as far as digital fingerprints go, it's probably significantly more accurate now that people are always connected and always leaving a trail and the trail is being found. As far as things like potentially studying the way someone walks and using that as a 100% accurate, convictionable, whatever, actionable method, I'm not sure that I believe that. Yeah, I agree. What's more interesting than... <laughs> Is this going to be another segue? Moving from walking to running. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say what's more a... interesting than walking is Strava. a segue. What? <laughs> what's more interesting than walking is standing on a segue and moving and then having Strava track your movements and how little steps you're doing. Because Strava got uh, in trouble a little bit ago about how they make their information pretty much public to anybody. Strava or... is... Strava is like a fitness tracking app. Right. And it's something that's interconnected with smartphones. And uh, a security researcher looked through a bunch of Strava data that was public. And I don't know if it was people not setting their privacy settings correctly or or if it was just a problem that it was having a bunch of public data. So the security researcher was able to map out a bunch of secret facilities based on people running patterns, discovering military bases in some locations tracking you through gps accuracy right oversharing is also a very big thing so i wouldn't be surprised if that was a problem there so leading this back all around around facebook and tracking you and the legal laws and privacy laws canada has this awesome lawyer te slash teacher called michael geist and he's got this really good article that's in our show notes about why uh, Canadian privacy laws are no longer fit for purpose. And in fact, Canadian privacy laws, there's some federal laws. And then each individual province themselves has their own laws around breach notification and what you're allowed to collect and whatnot. And surprisingly enough, Alberta's got currently the best privacy laws. Huh. And they are still behind where the GDPR is. And we should hope for a system as good as GDPR because it protects citizens. So I'll have links to that in the show notes. In-security.org slash EP046. Nice plug. Thank you. I don't know. I kind of do want to throw out a little bit of a shout out to Nova Scotia. Oh, for the love of Nova Scotia, thank, thanks for, for doing this. So they recently arrested a kid whose hobby is archiving things on the internet. I haven't followed up on this story. It is frighteningly awful. Okay, so do you want to... I, I've put a link to the EFF article. 
Mm-hmm. Dear Canada, accessing publicly available information on the internet is not a crime. Yes, there's uh, shirts for the utility the guy used called WGET, right. uh, which downloads information. It, it can spider websites and whatnot. Uh, it says WGET is not a crime. And it is a terrible call from the Nova Scotian government of sending a SWAT team into this kid's house for him downloading Freedom of Information Act files that they uh, I'm a little confused because it, it seems like they said that this information, once it's requested, becomes part of the public record. So if it's part of the public record and he's accessing public information, then what is he breaking the law on to begin with? Plus, they did zero to protect the information because it was uh, simply incrementing the number using the force browsing vulnerability that's in OAuth top 10 that everybody should know about and be protecting against is just a catastrophe of errors. And they're trying to cover up for the fact that they paid some company $500,000 to do the security for this. And meanwhile, the CISO for... Nova Scotia is apparently only making 80 grand and a CISO for 80 grand isn't much of a CISO in my opinion, but I've said too much. A kind of dumbed down version of my understanding of what happened is this kid had a freedom of information request and he got a request number, which was, let's say, request number five. Yeah. So what he did was he... in his browser got request number five. He changed that to six, realized that it was giving another request, and then just started sequentially increasing the number and taking the or downloading the various different requests that were given yep. uh, and the results that came back. And then the issue... I'm uh, as far as I understand it that Nova Scotia took is that they redacted some of the information that shouldn't be shared, but they left in the replies or responses enough information to potentially make it so that the requesters could be identified. Oh, I don't know about that part. All I know is that because even though they redacted the personal information in it, it was still too much information that was downloaded for them. Right. And they sent a bunch of like 17, something like that, SWAT members, 11 SWAT members to this kid's house, bust down, didn't bust down his door. I don't know the details fully. Anyways, they busted the kid at his house with a huge amount of SWAT team members, confiscated a bunch of computer equipment just to cover up the fact that they were doing something dumb. And then internet Streisand effect, I guess they'd never heard about that. And now it's all over everyone's news, including security podcasts I listen to in Australia, calling out how stupid this is because it is phenomenally stupid. Yeah. I just wanted to give a shout out to Nova Scotia. Um, oh my, we can't, we can't God, have a timely episode wrong. without, I mean, we like to, we like to pick on people when, they have done something incredibly dumb, and Canada is not above it. Nope. I got angry. Sorry. I gotta admit, I got angry right there. I can see. I can see that. We should, you know what we should do? We should probably take a step back. 
We should. You know what? I, I think I think I need a little breather. I think maybe you should have a little breather. And I think we should call this a phenomenal podcast follow up to our other one of the year. Yeah. And uh, hope that you have a good week in your new gig. I will. I have, this was a fantastic episode, and I want to I want to thank you. you. I'll tell you what you, you you have yourself a great week this week.